0: Hi, this is Matt Shaw, pastor at City Lift Church. If you're in the Fort Lauderdale area, we'd love for you to come visit us on a Sunday sometime or join us online, citylift.church. And we hope today's message fills you with courage and helps you on your spiritual journey. We exist just to help people meet, know, and follow Jesus. Enjoy today's message. If you are visiting here today, my name is Matt. It's a pleasure meeting you, but I'm not Pastor Matt. I'm not the typical Matt that's here. Uh, Pastor Matt is on his va- on vacation with his family today. He's traveling the Appalachian Trail, so you get the, the discount version of Matt, the one that is also a white boy from the Midwest who cares a little too much about his shoes, but you're stuck with me for today. We are going to be jumping into scripture before we get into the rest of the word, and you can open up your Bibles or your app to John 17, 20 23, and in this passage, Jesus is at his last meal with the disciples. He is in an upper room and he is sharing with them something that he knew they were gonna take on for the rest of their ministry. That they would reflect back on this as one of the last times they got to hear directly from Jesus being able to have a Bible study together. And at the end of the evening, Jesus is winding down and he decides to give an example of how he's praying. And he lifts his eyes up to heaven. And John says that he began praying to the Father saying, That you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. Let's take a second to pray. Lord, we thank you for this beautiful morning, for the opportunity to open up your scripture and hear from you today. I believe that you have a word for us this morning. Soften our hearts and give us ears to hear from you. I pray that through this message, you would be able to unify your people for your glory and for your kingdom. Amen. So, who here, who here loves going over to a dinner party, someone that you've never met before, and having conflict in their family break out? Does anyone love that? Going over and experiencing a fight at someone else's house? If you would have raised your hand, we would have had you come down here and prayed over you. Fortunately, none of us raised hands. But think about that situation. Maybe you're already a little nervous when you're coming over. And you get to the door, and the mother, she, she swings the door open. She rushes you in, and she has to take off and try to cook some food. And you're looking around. One of the kids is on his video game. He's playing. The other one is watching YouTube, maybe Peppa the Pig. I heard that's pretty big now. And you are sitting there. You don't really know what to do. You're feeling awkward. Is it more awkward for me to try to stop the person who's trying to cook my food? Or maybe I should try to distract this kid from Peppa the Pig. Again, heard you don't want to do that. So you're sitting there, and then the father walks in. He swings open the door, and, he, and the, the mom from across the room, she shouts, you just had to send out that last email, didn't you? To which the father, he shoots back, well, someone has to pay for Botox around here. Ouch, right? And so you're thinking to yourself, well, should, should I leave? I don't know if I wanted here. And the the mother and the father, they, they come to you and they say, no, we want you to be here. We want you to stay. We want you to feel like part of this family. And you think to yourself, I'm not so sure I want to be a part of this family. I'm not sure I want this much stress in my life. I've got enough issues of my own. Now contrast that with family number two. As you're walking up to the house, you hear laughter coming out. And as you enter, the the host who invited you, she she sits you down at a table, and she says, I've been saving this spot for you. I've been preparing it for you. And you have a meal together. You start sharing life together. You share stories together. There might be a conflict that breaks out, but you were able to resolve that conflict. And you have great food together. At the end of the night, you're walking out, and the host says, we'd love to have you back sometime. And you think, I would love to come back. This is the type of people that I want to be around with. This is the type of family that I want to transform my family, my life. And I think that God calls the church to be more like that second family. Yes, there's going to be conflict, but you're able to resolve that conflict. You're able to invite people in. You're able to make them feel at home when they walk in here. And I believe that when people walk into our doors, they should be feeling the affection that we have for one another, the love that we have for one another. I think that God wants our church and our homes to be filled with laughter. There's going to be pain, but he does want our churches and homes to be filled with laughter. And Jesus tells us in John 13 that Christians should be recognized by the love that we have for one another. It doesn't necessarily say that we're going to be recognized by the WWJD bracelets that we have or the schools where we send our kids. It doesn't say that we're going to be recognized by our political stance Or how perfect we are it says that we're going to be recognized by the love that we have for one another turn to your neighbor and say it's the love for one another so unfortunately that's not always the case right unfortunately in the church we're not always known for the love that we have for one another sometimes we end up acting more like that first family when you come into the church we tell people we want them to join our family, to become brothers and sisters, but we see a lot of bickering. We see people bad-mouthing one another. We see slander. And too often, we're busy in our own stuff. We get our own schedules busy from, from Sunday to Saturday, and there's no margin for us to be doing life together. And if we're not intentional to stop it, the church can feel clicky at times. We can become judgmental. We can think too highly of ourselves. And praise God. I don't think that that is the case yet at CityLift. I remember when Katya, my wife and I, we first walked in here about seven months ago, and there was an atmosphere of positivity that was unlike something that we had experienced here locally. There was more diversity in this church than we had ever seen before, but despite diversity, there weren't these cliques, there weren't groups of people that didn't like other groups of people. We were invited in, we were welcomed in, we were invited to coffee, we were invited to go hang out and we felt seen and accepted when we were here at City Lift. We felt like we found a new family that we wanted to be a part of here in downtown Fort Lauderdale. And Pastors Matt and Alyssa have done an incredible job creating that culture that feels warm and affectionate. However, who here knows that Satan hates that? That Satan's gonna do everything in his power to destroy the unity that we do have right now here at City Lift. Who here knows that he's going to do whatever he can to have fighting happen, discord, disunity happen here at City Lift? To turn brother against brother, sister against sister. And the fight for unity is going to be just that. It's going to be a fight. It's going to have to be something that we are intentional about, something we're talking about, something that we live into on a weekly basis. And I believe that the act of pursuing unity is an act of war. It's a war against the darkness that is in the city around us. And by pursuing unity together, we are dangerous to the darkness. So turn to your neighbor and say, I'm feeling dangerous. Just like with any family, we have to make an effort to remain unified. But the effort and the sacrifice is going to be well worth the price. And then I believe on our road to pursuing unity together, there's five things that we can be focusing on. So I got five points, and then I'll get off of here in a few minutes. And those five points are that we need to lean in to relationship with one another. We need to learn about God together. We need to laugh together. We need to let go of offenses and wrongdoings and we need to live out our faith in our neighborhoods together. So we'll jump in with lean in. What I mean when I say we have to lean into relationship with one another is that it is gonna take some type of effort. It is gonna take some type of sacrifice. If our current social and political situation tell us anything, The world around us is bent toward disunity. We're bent toward extremism. And if we're not intentional to avoid that, that type of extremism, polarization, is going to creep into a local church. So you got Apple versus Android. Who's for Android? We got a couple. All right. Apple? Yeah? So already potential some disunity. We got those who say LeBron is the goat. Those who say he's trash, overrated, I'm from Ohio, so I got to go with goat. (laughs) But then you have some more serious divisions. You got Palestine versus Israel. This past year, we saw people rioting in the streets, and we saw people storming the Capitol. And if we're not intentional to be unified here as a church, as a diverse church in a diverse part of the city, Satan will want to creep in and cause disunity. But in Matthew, Jesus promises that his peacemakers are the ones who will be blessed. And let's go back to our main text for today. So if we can pull up John 17 again, it says, that in, in verse 22, it says, The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them, you and me, that they may become perfectly one. Let's focus here. So that. Everyone say, so that. So that. What's the reason for our unity? It's so that. The world may know that you sent me and loved them, even as you loved me. Jesus knew that we would look different from the rest of the world around us if we are a unified body. Jesus knew that we would be able to become perfectly one by the power of the Holy Spirit. And he wanted us to be just like the type of unity that is in the Godhead, in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And he prayed that this unity would happen so that the purpose being that the world would know that the Father has sent Jesus and that Jesus and the Father love us. The purpose for our unity, it's not so that we have a nice, comfortable life together. It's so that the world would know that Jesus is king and that the Father loves them. Now, the New Testament writers make no mistake that this is going to be difficult. This is not going to be easy. Ephesians 4 says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. The Scripture uses the word bear together. We have to struggle together. We have to put force and effort into the unity when we're pursuing it together. And I love that the Bible is real. Paul doesn't sugarcoat that this isn't going to be an easy thing at times. It's going to be tough to love each other. It's going to mean that we have to sacrifice. Maybe it means that one night we just don't watch Netflix, and we instead choose to be in community with one another. Maybe another night it means we take the time to invite people over to our home. It's going to take sacrifice, but it says that we are called to give every effort to maintain the unity in the church. We're called to sacrifice when necessary for the sake of unity in our community. We're called to embrace the differences and the diversity for the sake of unity in the church. And we're called to lean in so that the world would know that Jesus is the Son of God and that the Father loves us. And the good news is that that's what we're asked to do is lean in. We don't have to hold ourselves up. The end of the scripture says that it's the Holy Spirit who will hold us up. We just have to make the effort and the choice to sacrifice, to start the process by leaning in to community. Now, the second thing is learn. Everyone say learn. Appreciate that again. So the next thing we want to do is we want to learn about God through his word together. Psalm 1 says that the man or the woman who meditates on God's word day and night is blessed. The passage continues by offering a picture of the person or the group of people who meditate on scripture, saying that they are like a tree planted by streams of living water that yield fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that it does, it prospers. As the people of God, we should be people who know the word of God. We should be doers of the word of God. And we do this in both formal settings and informal settings. We study scripture at lift groups, our our version of small groups, during the week. But the Bible study is not only for the time on Sunday mornings, and it's not just for lift groups. We're called to be living into the word. We're called to be studying the word, throughout the week. We're called to speak scripture over the lives of our family members, of our our kids, of our friends, of our guests as they come over. God's given us this key of truth, of scripture, and we're called to use that for our own benefit. Second Timothy says, all scripture is breathed out by God and it's profitable profitable for teaching for reproof for correction and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete equipped for every good work we're in a culture around us that believes you you should believe whatever you want to believe whatever you want to do whatever feels good and they say that truth is relative and because that is the case we at City Lift we have the opportunity to be different we have the opportunity to look different and to act different because that's not what we believe We believe that God's way is the right way, that we believe there is profit in being able to live under Scripture, to be able to learn Scripture together, to let that lead and guide our lives together. And by a community focused on God's Word, by a community that studies and, and, and teaches God's Word to one another, not just Pastor Matt teaching us God's Word, but Hubert, Charity, Michelle teaching us God's Word. We have the opportunity to live in a different type of community, to really stand out here in South Florida. As a community with a deep knowledge and respect of the Bible, we will be equipped for every good work. We'll be equipped for the challenges ahead. We'll be equipped for the opportunities ahead. So I believe that we are called into a community unified as a people of the word who study the Bible and use it to teach one another. And in doing so, we're gonna be dangerous to the darkness around us. All right. so point three. On the count of three, I want everyone to give me a big, loud laugh. A big laugh. One, two, three. There we go. There we go. There we go. I think that is what a healthy church should sound like. Some of my family is here. They know I can be overly serious at times. Shocking, right? But when I take a look at Jesus' life... Yeah, thank you. When I take a look at Jesus' life, I see a guy who was really well-liked. There were obviously people who didn't like him, but one of the things that the Pharisees kept saying against Jesus is that he was a friend of sinners. He was invited to too many parties. And how beautiful is it that what the Pharisees thought was going to be derogatory is actually a compliment, that Jesus was a friend of sinners and that we get to be invited to be friends of sinners because we're all sinners, right? We, we get to be friends with each other. But one of the big issues that, that they, they, the Pharisees had is that he was too close to those people who they designated were not righteous, which to me that means that those people enjoyed Jesus. They kept inviting him to their parties. How amazing is it that Jesus, fully God, fully man, someone who knew the sin that was in someone's life, the sin that they had committed, the sin that they would commit, the sin that he would be dying on the cross for. Jesus was able to stand in front of that person and tell a funny story, to enjoy their company, to forgive them, to laugh with them, to love them. I think, for me, it means I have no reason not to be able to do that. He gives us the example of being able to have fun, and it wasn't this bait-and-switch, fake type of friendship, because I think if he was fake about it, he would have stopped getting invited to the parties. We don't want the fake people at Parties Right Orlando. But He kept being invited back because people felt like he cared for them people felt like he connected with them that he had a way to make their lives better and they wanted to do life with jesus so that they would be able to learn from him so that they could feel loved and jesus was there for people i believe that they laughed with jesus heck jesus's best friends were a bunch of fishermen Some blue-collar guys who would go on road trips, they would walk, not drive, but they would walk on these road trips together. And as fishermen, they probably told fart jokes to each other. They probably told silly stories. They probably got around a campfire and just goofed around. And I think it's in part because they were able to laugh together. They were able to be challenged by the truth together, that the disciples, the early church, flourished. They were different than the type of community that the Pharisees had built up. They were real, they were authentic, they were in relationship with one another. And I would love for it to be normal to leave City Lift gatherings with our bellies sore because we've been laughing so hard together, because we've been enjoying time together. I would love to be known as a united church that enjoys the time that we spend together. Point four, let go. Historically, the church has been divided and broken up by offenses that we have against one another. You have all the way back to the the Catholic church being separated from the Orthodox church, and then you had the Reformed church breaking off, and some for good reasons, some for disagreeable reasons, there have been all these fissions and divisions inside the church, and when you look at recent history at the local church level, there's all these disagreements about opinions. Someone said something, someone made a decision, and it will breed disunity, it will breed teams or cliques, and those cliques will end up dividing the local church. And the Bible shows that God hates division within the local church. Proverbs 6, 19 says that the one who sows discord among brothers is an abomination to the Lord. Titus 3, 9 says, avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, dissensions, and quarrels about the law, for they are unprofitable and worthless. Second Timothy says, have nothing to do with foolishness, ignorant controversies. You know that they breed quarrel. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness, God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to the knowledge of truth. Philippians says, so if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. We've seen how Satan can take what starts as a small offense and he can breed it into this division that is seemingly, you can't reconcile it. We see how people in the church often get offended and they want to be right. They want to prove that they are correct, that they are the ones hearing correctly from God. And as many of you know, this can be a common issue in many local churches. By God's grace, I don't think we are facing that as much here at City Lift. And and that's beautiful. That's great. I also see it as a potential risk and I see it as a potential risk because we haven't been forced to flex our forgiveness muscles very much. And forgiveness is just that it's a workout. It's something that you have to practice. It's something that you have to get comfortable with. It's something that you have to be challenged by. And that's why I want in our community groups, in our life together to be able to practice with one another being able to forgive each other, even if we say, oh, it's not a big deal, it's not a big deal, just getting in the practice of saying, I'm sorry, and saying, I forgive you. I think if we are able to be great at letting go of offenses against one another, that we will look different than the community around us, and that God will work through that in our lives. Colossians says, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and If one has a complaint against the other, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, you must also forgive. And above all of these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. I love that last part, uh, because it's like one of those old grandmas who tells you this is what you should do, this is what's gonna be best for your life. And be thankful about it. It's encouraging. But Jesus, who's the son of man, son of God, he came down to earth to live a perfect life, to die the death that was in our place for our sins. And in return, God was able to model true forgiveness for us. There was no one who had a, had, had a bigger challenge or had more that he had to forgive than what God did when he forgave mankind for all of our sin and therefore there's no reason why we can't be forgiving each other but we have to practice we have to get good at it we have to flex our forgiveness muscle we have to put on love and we must let go of the fences that the offenses that we experience from one another and while it's not going to be easy the bible is clear that in order to be a unified community we're going to have to be great at forgiveness But the last point, number five, is live out. Everyone say live out. out. Lastly, we are called to live out our faith in community together. Sunday mornings are great. Lift groups are great. Our, Our small groups are wonderful. But that is not what we are called to be as a church. Being in community together is not a list of things that we do. It's a part of who we are. I'm going to say that again. Being a community is not a list of things that we do together. It's a part of who we are. And the pursuit of unity must be intentionally embedded into our weekly rhythms. Otherwise, we'll forget about it. We must live out our unity by being on mission to serve and to love the neighborhoods around us. We must live out unity by going to the ballpark or the playground together. We must live out unity by going to the coffee shop or the brewery together. We're called to go shopping and go to business events together. We're called to be enjoying concerts with one another. Being able to live out unity doesn't have to be formal. It can look like just giving someone a call up and going for a coffee, being able to have a dinner with one another. And I think the hardest but most powerful way to live out unity is through hospitality. Hospitality is defined as the friendly and generous reception of guests, visitors or strangers and I think that it often looks like having a meal together I think it's the hardest because it causes us to sacrifice our time and our comfort it can be a little embarrassing to have someone over to your home it's a little messy my house is always messy but I see it as the most powerful because hospitality creates the perfect environment for meaningful relationships to form for tough questions to be asked And for real support and encouragement to be shared with one another when i think of hospitality and i think about having meals with family i always had this mental picture of what it was like to go to my grandma and grandpa rudder's house in ohio growing up we had sunday dinners together and my grandma passed away a few years ago but when people would come over to her house you would approach the door, and you would hear a ruckus happening inside. It was always loud. There'd be people arguing about a a sports game, or there would be people running through the kitchen trying to mash some potatoes. And my grandma, she would come up to us, and as she approached anyone who comes into the house, she would give you a big hug, a big kiss, and if you had a guest, the guest was always welcome. And she would, just like if it was her own family member, she would give the, the, the guest a big hug, a big kiss, a big goofy smile, flower in her hair. And for someone who would walk in there the first time, it could have been overwhelming, but my grandma, she was able to make that person feel like they were walking into their own home. She was able to make them feel like they were welcome. And my grandma grew up in rural Ohio. She wasn't taught how to be comfortable with people who were different from herself. But we would have guests over who were black and white and Asian. We would have guests who were, uh, who, 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 who were gay and who were straight. We even had some guests who were Democrats, which was a big deal for rural Ohio. And she made everyone feel at home. And after experiencing that type of a Sunday dinner, the guest would leave and as they were on their way out the door, they would say, they would ask, can I come back? And My grandma's answer was always yes. Because they had found a place where they felt like they could be at home. They could be in relationship with us. And many of them did. And we have a blessing of people who are coming into this church. Literally this physical building right here. I don't know if you all have seen this, but there's three, four, five people who are trying to show up for coffee here in the mornings. And they may be walking in and and, and what they want is an espresso, but if we do unity right, they can be walking out with Jesus. They may come in and they may be looking for some creamer in their coffee, but they could be walking out with the Holy Spirit in their heart. I think that's the power of what the Holy Spirit is trying to do here in City Lift. That's the power of unity. and It's the type of legacy that my grandma leaves. And that People not always remembering what she said, what she did, but they do remember how they made her feel, how she made them feel. And when people walk into these doors, I want them to feel the love that we have for one another. And the Bible says that because they see the love that we have for one another, they will know that Jesus was sent to die in their place for their sins and that God loves them. First John says that in this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, and if if we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. God wants to reveal himself to South Florida. And I believe his plan for that is with groups like this, doing life together out there. It's not just doing this on Sunday mornings, it's us going out and doing life together out there. Jesus' prayer was for us to be known for the love that we have for one another. His hope for unity was not only because he knows it's gonna be fulfilling to us, he knew that if we are to truly live out our unity around dinner tables and at the beach together, then the world would know that Jesus was sent to die in their place for their sins. What's God's plan to fulfill the Great Commission? I think a big part of it is for you and I to love one another and to do life together. So how do we do that? In closing, if you call yourself a part of City Lift, there are three things that we can be doing. First is leaning in. That might mean just coming 10 minutes early to church and starting to get to know each other. It might mean staying 15 minutes after church and getting to know the story or the life of people around us. Second thing is learning, laughing, and letting go. That could be in a city lift group. We have these small groups that are, are taking a break right now. We're starting back up in August. And we're looking for leaders who can help lead conversation, lead teaching of the word, help us to model forgiveness for one another. And we're looking for people who are going to be joining us on mission in Fort Lauderdale. So if you're interested in leadership or you're interested in being a part of a lift group, you can come see me after church. And then the last one is to live out. It's to initiate a dinner party together. It's to initiate a trip to the beach together. Invite some friends who may not believe what we believe, but to let our love shine in the darkness. Now maybe you're here today and you're new to church. You wouldn't yet call yourself a part of God's family. Please know that you're welcome. We're happy to have you here. And as much as we want to invite you into our family, this City Lift group family, I know that God wants to invite you into his family. He sent his son, Jesus, to die in your place for your sins, just like the rest of us. No matter your background, no matter what you've done, there's a place for you at God's table. He's inviting you into the home, and he's prepared a place exactly for you. He loves you more than you know. He wants to laugh with you. He wants to be in relationship with you, and that's his invitation. So let's all bow our heads and close our eyes. Maybe you're here today and and that's you. Your heart is feeling tugged. Maybe you've known about God and you don't yet feel part of his family, but you want to be a part of his family. You want to receive his forgiveness. You want to live in his love. If that's you, on the count of three, with every head bowed and every eye closed, would you lift your hand up in the air? I'm not going to call you out or make you come down here. It's between you and God. It's just a way for you to signal to yourself and to him that you want to be a part of his family. So on the count of three, if that's you, feel free to lift your hand up real quick and put it down back down. One, two, three. Good. Looks like we're all good. We'll pray together. Father, we thank you for the love that you have for us. We know that we don't deserve it. We thank you that while we were still sinners, you sent your son Jesus to live the perfect life that we cannot live, to die in our place for our sins and to be raised from the dead so that we may be called your sons and daughters. We ask for the forgiveness from our sins. We ask that you would send the Holy Spirit to live in us. And we ask for the power to love you and love people well. Amen. Thanks again for checking out our podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe, share with a few friends, Thanks for helping us make Jesus famous right here in South Florida. Again, if you're in the Fort Lauderdale area, we'd love to see you sometime. Or as always, visit us online, citylift.church. Have an amazing week.